Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 32 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hopefully we have a little bit of a different attitude and a different mood than we did in episode 31. I'm terribly sorry you had to sit through that, but I just had to let out my anger, my emotions, my thoughts. And here we are. The Celtics have now won three games in a row on their West Coast road trip after losing four out of their last five games. They're currently 41-26. and They're only one game out of the three seed after the Pacers and 76ers game over the weekend. Both of those teams are tied for the third seed, and it made me want to think, do the Celtics want the three seed? Do you want to see the Raptors in round two, or do you want to see the Bucks in round two? You hold a gun to my head, I'd rather see the Bucks. We've obviously beat them in the playoffs before. I'm scared of Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I'm more scared of about Kawhi Leonard, Maybe this is finally the Raptors' year since LeBron James is out of the Eastern Conference. So I would rather have home court advantage against the 76ers and the Pacers and then move on to the Bucks. Because, I mean, let's be serious. Game one of that Bucks series, uh, round one of the Bucks series last year, the difference was home court advantage. So with the Celtics' performance, the first game after the All-Star break against the Bucks in Milwaukee's building, they had a chance to win that game. They should have won that game. So I feel more confident doing that because if you look at the Toronto Raptors game after the All-Star break the Celtics played up in Toronto, they don't play very well up there. So I think the Celtics are more comfortable playing in Milwaukee than they would in Toronto. So that's going to be the big debate. You know, do you, do you fight for the... The three seed? Do you fight for the four seed? I mean, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get the two seed, folks. I mean, you're seven games out from the two seed. You're nine and a half out of the first seed. So it's what do you want? Do you want the third or the fourth? Do you want the higher seed? Because you know, let's say there is an upset. You know, let's say the Miami Heat beat the Bucks or the Toronto Raptors lose to the Nets. If that's basically the way it shakes up right now, or the Pistons lose to the 76ers. Right now, we'd be playing Indiana in Indiana. You know. If, if it was game seven of round one. So give me that four seed. Let's try and beat Indiana at home for the, the first round. I For some odd reason, I'm having a hard time talking, and it's pissing me off. But yeah, I would rather play the Bucks as the four than the Toronto Raptors as the three. That's just me personally, because I think the 76ers match up a little bit better with the Raptors. So if it's 76ers-Raptors, and then maybe the 76ers beat the Raptors in a seven-game series, which I don't think will happen, but let's say they do. You, you'll you have to play the 76ers, and they'll have home court advantage, and we've beat them in the playoffs before. We beat them last week, and we might have to beat them next week too. Or I should say last month, and we'll have to beat them next week too, and we'll get into that in a bit. But here's the thing. Strength of schedule is obviously very important. Celtics now have the 13th toughest schedule left. The Pacers have the 8th, and the 76ers have the 25th. So I feel like that four seed is more realistic than the three seed. 
because they can rest Joel Embiid a little bit more. Their competition isn't that great, that being the 76ers. So just keep an eye out on that. Keep in. I'm not going to be upset if they get the three seed. I mean, who would, you know, because that means they did a great job after being crap for so long, being good and being crap and now being reasonable. And I'll explain why I'm not too happy yet in a bit. But interesting thought process. Do you want to be the three seed? Do you want to be the four seed? Either way, you want to have home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs because Sean Grandy tweeted this out earlier today and I just want to make sure that I'm reading it properly before I read it to you because the reason why I mention home court is because it's super important for the Boston Celtics. It really and truly is. So listen to this. Since the Celtics got Kyrie Irving, the Celtics with Kyrie are 36 and 22 at home. Not bad, right? 62% winning percentage. And then on the road, they're also 36 and 22, 62% winning percentage. Without Kyrie on the road, they're 10 and 14. So let's just put that in perspective. Who would you rather have? With Kyrie, 36 and 22, or without Kyrie, 10 and 14? And then here's a crazy stat. Without Kyrie, the Celtics are 25 and 4 at home. So let's say Kyrie tweaks a knee, tweaks an ankle, Jalen, Terry, Gordon, those guys are more comfortable at home than they are on the road. So just keep that in mind, folks, okay? Keep that in mind. Now, I know I haven't talked about this in a little bit, but let's talk about the current draft pick situation because March Madness is ramping up. Selection Sunday is next Sunday, which is one of my favorite days of the year. You can start filling out your bracket, a lot of debates going on in the college basketball world. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I just wanted to maybe have you guys keep an eye out on some certain players that the Celtics... I looked at about five or six mock drafts, and this is kind of what it averaged out to. So with the 14th pick, the 19th pick, and the 23rd pick, that's what you got right now. The 14th, you can get Colby White from UNC. University of North North Carolina. I don't like him because he's on the University of North Carolina. The kid can shoot the basketball. He's a reasonable point guard, and he just beat my Duke team over the weekend. Okay, He could fit that backup point guard role if Terry or Kyrie leave. So that would be a reasonable pick. I would not be a fan of it just because of where he went to college, but I would understand it, okay? The 19th pick, you might be looking at someone like P.J. Washington, who stayed for a sophomore year at Kentucky, which is very rare because we know Kentucky is the king of one-and-dones, and and he is shooting 40% from three. Last year, he shot like 27% from three, so that extra year helped him, and he's also the leading rebounder and the leading scorer for this University of Kentucky team, which is like a top five, top six, top seven team in the country right now, and he's 6'8", so, you know, he's your classic NBA athletic wing. And then at 23rd, kid from Arizona State, I can never pronounce his name, Lugentz Dort. He's 6'4". Basically, he's he would be Marcus Smart 2.0, maybe like an inch taller long wingspan his shooting is clearly a work of progress just like Marcus Smart's was when he left Oklahoma State and he can defend the ball like Marcus Smart as well so you know if you get Colby White you could have and let's say Terry leaves you could have Smart and Kyrie and then you would have Colby White and this dense kid and that'd be a pretty good backup you know it'd basically kind of be like the same thing I'm not comparing Colby White to Kyrie in any way, shape, or form, because Kyrie went to Duke and he's better, and Colby went to UNC, and that doesn't make him that great. But Colby White can shoot the ball, he can create kind of like Kyrie can, and dense and smart are a lot alike defensively. And usually, I feel like smart has helped Kyrie defensively this year. Kyrie can kind of back off a little bit, 
or apply extra pressure, and then that backcourt screwed because Marcus Smart should be part of the all-defensive team situation. Right? Not saying he should win NBA Defensive Player of the Year in any way, shape, or form. No, 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 no. But he should be on the first or second team this year. I really and truly believe that. All right. It's now been, what, eight, nine minutes? You're probably saying, hey, speak to us. Speak. Tell us something. Let's talk about the plane ride. What you, you guys want to talk about the plane ride? Let's talk about the plane ride. All that we've heard since Monday afternoon or Monday morning or Tuesday morning is this plane ride that has changed Brad Stevens' lives, Kyrie's lives, everyone on the Boston Celtics organization lives, even the fans' lives. A lot of guys have talked about this plane ride from Boston to San Francisco. You can say that it started with Brad and Kyrie talking post-game after the Rockets game because that was reported that Brad and Kyrie had a really long, deep conversation after the Rockets game because that's where, I guess you could say, Kyrie hit his low with his frustration. And Kyrie supposedly, according to Al Horford, got up on the plane and told everyone, take out their earbuds, take off their headphones, and amplify their interactions with each other. Interesting. So Kyrie just said, you know what? Screw this. Let's kill the awkwardness and let's go. Now, should he have done that weeks ago instead of talking selfishly about himself? Sure. I'll give you that. Absolutely. But during practice on Friday, someone finally asked Al Horford, like, what happened on this plane ride? And he said it was all Kyrie. According to Al, Kyrie was instrumental because he started to get everything going, like, let's play cards, let's do this, let's do that, on this plane ride, and everyone instantly got engaged. That's what he said, direct quote. Then Al continued and said that they spent a good amount of time together, they laughed, they smiled, and it was extended because it was a seven-hour flight versus maybe a one-hour flight to Philadelphia, a two-hour flight to Detroit. So they were forced to like each other, basically, and, they, and it worked. It really and truly worked. Terry Rogier then said that Kyrie is the leader of this team, and when he's in a great mood, he's feeling good, it's contagious, and they are hard to beat when they feel that way. But when he's not, everyone can get uptight. So clearly, when they lost those four or five games, Kyrie was uptight, and everyone just kind of, huh. Kyrie got over that. True leader tried to bring everyone together. Sorry, I shouldn't say the word true leader around Kyrie. Kyrie is learning to be a true leader. Al Horford is a true leader, if you ask me. Okay? But this plane ride supposedly shook this team up and and they're now officially BFFs and it all started with the Golden State Warriors game at Oracle Arena Celtics destroyed them absolutely destroyed them up 30 points at one point and they've won three out of their last four times at Oracle Arena which is one of the hardest places to play in the NBA seriously it's so loud in there every single time and the best part about this game is the Celtics gave a full 48 minutes and they did exactly what everyone wanted them to do all year. Celtics started the game off an 11-0 run. Warriors came back on a 12-2 run. Now, you would think over the last three, four weeks, maybe even five or six weeks, if someone goes on a 12-2 run against the Celtics, they just poop their pants and they just stop playing. They they just forget what they're doing, and it's extremely infuriating. I, I, I think we can all agree with that. But this time, they didn't. They kept it going. Because after that, they came back and did a little run on themselves, which was great to see. They shot 60% from the field. They had 12 assists on 14 made field goals in the first quarter. And then they came out in the second quarter. So you're saying to yourself, oh, God, second quarter, they're screwed. 
they're the Warriors are going to come out. Durant's going to catch a few open three pointers. Steph Curry is going to catch an open three pointers. And yes, I understand that. No, Clay Thompson was definitely helpful. Clay Thompson is a great defender, a great three point shooter. He changes their offense greatly. But the Celtics came out on a thirteen to three run in the second quarter, and then they ended the second quarter on a fourteen to four run. So if you combine those twenty seven to seven run in the second quarter, that doesn't happen with this team. So maybe this plane ride is legit. Seriously. Because, like, you would think, if I if I remember correctly, when they went on that 13-3 run, the Warriors came back and hit him with an 8-2 run. And then when the Celtics went on a 14-4 run, Celtics hit him back with an 8-3 run. Nope. They were just like, screw that. Screw you guys. They played as a team. They didn't give up. They wanted to be there for each other. And that is huge. 38 assists, guys. 38 assists on 49 made field goals. That's a season high. Golden State only made 34 field goals for the entire game. So the Celtics had four more assists than the Golden State Warriors had for four. I mean, I'm sorry. They had four more assists than the Warriors did made field goals. Sorry. I was really jacked up about this Warriors win to a degree. I was I was happy in the moment. I really was. I was pumped in the moment. It was cool to see everyone smiling, hugging each other, all this great stuff. It was really, really cool to see. But part of me was just like, <clears throat> they lose to the Kings tomorrow night. All this has just gone down the toilet. It's just like a Chipotle dinner, just right through you, right in the toilet. But before I got to that, you think of the Aaron Baines to Marcus Cousins situation. And Obviously, Aaron Baines flopped, took a little shoulder from Boogie. He fell, got the call. Boogie didn't like it, said something to him. Tatum pushed him a little bit. Boogie pushed back, and then Terry Rozier comes in. And at that moment, I said, I believe all the airplane stuff. Terry Rozier standing up to DeMarcus Cousins. Terry Rozier is a G. He, I feel like Terry Rozier ain't afraid of nobody. And it was great to see that because I bet you the week before when they're losing four out of five games, if that happened in the Wizards game or something, yeah, because they actually won the Wizards game where they might have felt kind of good about themselves, I bet you that didn't happen. I am all in on this plane ride. I really am. But I'm a little nervous on the plane ride back because once they play the Clippers on Monday night, uh, they lose that one. And let's say they lose it in a bad way. Could that plane ride be negative? That's right, folks. I'm here to bring you down. Everyone's on cloud nine. I'm on cloud like four. Okay? I'm here to level you out a little bit, okay? Because that plane ride back, if they lose that Clippers game, could change everything. It really and truly could. But, so with my negative thought about the Kings game, I was like, these guys are going to come out second night of back-to-back. They, Kyrie has a thigh contusion, so you're like, oh, God, now Kyrie's not playing. Who's going to step up? And Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier, I think, got his confidence back. Well, I mean, I hope. He started for Kyrie, 4 of 10 from 3 with 6 boards, and 6 of 13 from the field. And guys, I know I have been trashing Terry Rozier all year, and he deserves it. And anyone thinks differently, all set with that. All set. But Terry Rozier playing reasonable basketball. That's right, reasonable basketball. In the playoffs for this Boston Celtics team, is huge. If you were to go into your like your storylines when the Celtics start the playoffs in mid-April, 
what the three things are is can this team stay content with each other? Can this team not crawl into a corner and cry when other teams go on runs? And can the bench help the starters if the starters suck? And it starts with Terry Rozier because I feel like Jalen Brown, to a degree, has proved himself. And some other guy has also played pretty well as of late. Excuse me, just burped. But the Kings game, I mean, I was nervous going into it. I, I really and truly was because I was like, cool, we beat the Warriors and then lost to the Kings. Great. Nobody cares about that. But Al Horford was incredible. Al Horford was like, hey, TG, hold my beer. I got this. 21 and 11 with seven assists. He had seven, 17 out of his 21 points were in the second half. Playoff Al, playoff Terry. Those things are going to be huge. This team, when in doubt, you throw the ball into the post with Al Horford and let him do the work, whether that's on the block with his little right hook off the backboard, whether that's going down the lane, dishing it, people cutting back and forth because Al is a great passer. He's no like Nokic. He's probably one of the top, I think you could say he's one of the top five centers in the league or big men in the league passing the ball. There, there are some really good guys, but I think he's up there. I think he's a reasonable, yeah, I would argue that. And now you have Jason Tatum, who's 21 years old, rocking the headband for the first time, which made me feel uncomfortable, and we'll get into that later. But he led the team in scoring 24 points, and that one-foot jumper with like 48, 49 seconds left to go up three was a thing of beauty. It was like it was like going to the theater, darling, you know? It was like watching the Nutcracker, you know, or the Black Swan with Natalie Portman. It was something like that. It was mwah, It was just beautiful just watching his footwork, one foot, and it, sw- I don't, it didn't even hit the rim. I don't even think it hit the net. God, that was beautiful. It really and truly was. And moments like that in that game can build confidence for Jason Tatum. Now, of course, we're all still a little like, hey, Jason, you took eight dribbles. Please don't shoot a fadeaway jumper. Oh, you did, and you missed it. Okay, but when it works, man, is it beautiful. I just wish he did it, like, less. If he had, if Let's just say, on average, I'd have to look this up. I don't know it off the top of my head. But let's just say Tatum takes seven ISO contested jumpers okay like and what i mean by iso is he gets the ball on the block dribbles 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 backs the guy down and then does his fadeaway jumper if he takes let's say eight of those a game give me four of those a game jt okay and that way if you go two to four two out of four then you're like hey it works rather than going two of seven or two of eight so if we could see a little bit less of jason tatum iso contested shots I'm cool with it, but in moments like that, when you're the leading scorer in the game, go get that basketball. Happy birthday to you. Go drink your booze after the game and take that shot. Actually, don't drink booze. It's bad for your liver, Jason, and it'll mess up the rest of your playing career. Don't do it. Now, because, again, I feel like I'm in a, be- I feel like I'm in a much better mood than I was last week, I have to bring everyone down a little bit and just let everyone know that Jalen Brown had his second no-assist game, no assist game in the last three games. So two out of the last three games before the Lakers game, Jalen Brown had zero assists, and he also played terrible defense late in that game, and it drove me nuts. Absolutely drove me wild. Now, the Lakers game, right? Obviously, you have to talk about the Lakers game. Obviously, I was a little disappointed earlier in the day because UNC beat Duke. Oh, man, that sucked. Hope my boy Marcus Bolden is okay, but 
Guys, Lakers game recap, Marcus Smart forever. What a night of shooting for Marcus Smart. Holy guacamole, folks. Let's just let let's just read the stat line for and I know stats aren't everything, but when Marcus Smart shoots like this, stats are everything. 29 minutes, 6 of 8 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 2 boards, 5 assists, 3 turnovers, 2 steals, plus 7, 16 points. That boy shot the lights out. And since March, ladies and gentlemen, we are what? Today is the uh, 11th, 12th? Either way, he is shooting 57% from the field and 54% from three. Meow. That's sexy. Prr. Love it. Let's go. That is the type of stuff I'm talking about. The relationship that Marcus Smart and I have had before this year was tough. It really was. It was. It, it hit rock bottom at times. But he has completely redeemed himself this year, and it's been great to see. But it better continue, because I'll jump right off the bad relationship wagon, or the good relationship wagon, right onto the bad relationship wagon. Hope you're listening, Marcus Smart. Hope you're listening. Now, other people that were super in this basketball game, some guy named Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's highlights in this game, Kyrie Irving's defense in this game is exactly why you go out and get Kyrie Irving. I remember one sequence, I think it was the second quarter, maybe it was the third quarter. He stuck a three, came back, got a block, stuck another three, got a steal. Crazy. He also picked up an offensive foul in this game. It was absolutely fantastic. And the team, I know a lot of people are saying, when Kyrie has the ball, it it sticks. Terry's better when he runs the offense. 32 assists for the Celtics team. You ready? Tatum, 5. Morris, 4. Horford, 4. Smart and Kyrie, 5. And Jalen Brown had 3 assists. Mm-mm-mm. And shout out to Jason Tatum for realizing that he was having a bad game, took off the headband, and started having a better game. Really proud of you, Jason. And again, we're going to get in the headband in a bit. All right? Now... The other thing that I love so much about this game was they played well in the second and third quarters, both offensively and defensively. They had a reasonable first quarter. I think it was like 25-24 at the end of the first quarter. Things were, were going well. The ball was moving well. Some of the shots weren't falling. They were playing some okay defense. A lot of backdoor cuts. They were allowing a lot of backdoor cuts against the Lakers. That's why LeBron had a couple monster slams. And, of course, LeBron gets another triple-double. He's ridiculous. He really is. But they didn't give up 30 points. The defense was there. And, yes, I understand they were playing the Lakers. And the Lakers suck right now. But I don't care because I hate the Lakers. So beat them down into the ground until there's no tomorrow. And that's what they did. Even Yavaselli scored some hoops. Gotta love that, right? I mean, the Celtics played a lot of guys. They Only three guys didn't play in that game. They went 12 deep in that game. So it was very good. Now, the only thing that I really didn't like about this game is the fact that the Lakers scored 68 points in the paint. And the Celtics had no paint presence at all, defensively or offensively. And I thought that was very frustrating. You know, the I feel like Al Horford's a very good po- post defender. Aaron Baines is back. Sure, he's still not 100%. And if he jacks up another three-pointer, I know I said earlier this season, give him the green light, but bud... Only if you're 100%, okay? We all love your haircut. You literally look like the lead guitarist of some crazy, like, heavy metal band. But you need to stop shooting threes until you're 100%, okay? If your feet aren't there, don't use your feet to jump off of. Obviously, he has to use his feet to jump off of. But just don't. I'm I, I'm so twisted in my words. Just don't shoot three-pointers until you're 100% healthy, Aaron Baines. But with Baines and Horford back, 
no team should score 68 points, especially with Wagner, JaVel McGee, and some dude named Williams that I've literally have never heard before who had a crazy game, 18 and 10. He's probably a rookie that got called up because there are so many injuries with this Lakers team. Kuzma, Ingram's done for the year. Ball's done for the year. Tyson Chandler wasn't playing. Muscala wasn't playing. Uh, Lance Stevenson wasn't playing. So a lot of injuries for this team. A lot of injuries, and that's fine and fair, but beat the Lakers every single time. God, I love beating the Lakers. I really and truly do. But now, can they play two straight great games in a row at the Staples Center? Because that's where their next game is tonight in the Staples Center against the Los Angeles Clippers, coached by Doc Rivers. Guys, I want this 4-0 road trip. I really do. (sighs) This 4-0 road trip reminds me a lot of what happened last year. Last year, the Celtics went on a four-game West Coast road trip late in the season, and they went on a little bit of a run. They beat the Thunder at home before they went. Then they beat the Trailblazers, the Kings, the Suns, and the Jazz. Now, Trailblazers, good team. Suns, Kings, last year. Not this year, last year. And then the Jazz were obviously a very good team. They were obviously in the playoffs. But what was crazy about that, before they went on this West Coast road trip, they announced that Kyrie would miss the playoffs. So again, maybe another plane ride that bonded them all together because after that, they went on a run, as we all know. So I want 4-0 on this West Coast road trip because I fully believe, folks, and maybe I'm talking too far out of my ass, but they go, they beat the Clippers. You play the Kings again, you should beat them. Then you play the Hawks, you should beat them. Then it's IT4 return night. You should be able to beat him. Then you play Philly. Then you play Charlotte. You could be on like an eight-game winning streak going into a Sunday night game against the Spurs, who aren't playing that great as of as of late in plain English. And then you play the Cavs. So you if you want to go on a run, build some momentum now and beat this Clippers team because you should be pissed with this Clippers team. Clippers have been playing some great great basketball lately they're easily the best team in LA because the Lakers suck okay they've won five out of their last six games including four in a row and they also beat the Thunder and we all know how good the Thunder was we all remember that game on Super Bowl Sunday in February what a bananas bananas game Paul George I don't think is going to win MVP but Paul George should finish second or third in MVP MVP voting if I had a vote it'd probably go to Giannis he's been incredible this year but in that Thunder game Lou Williams and Gallinari scored 74 combined points. And Zubek, who used to play for the Lakers, now on the Clippers, he's been great as well for them. He's finally settled in. But you got to keep up with um, Harrell's energy and keep him off the boards. He's kind of like a Marcus Smart type guy. You know, he's going to hustle, he's going to give it all. And Aaron Baines or Marcus Morris or Jalen Brown, who's ever defending him, has to keep up with his energy and have to keep him off the boards. I mean, guys, we remember what happened last time these these two these two teams played. 43 first quarter points for the Celtics. They only gave up 20 and then they lost by 11. And I understand Kyrie went out with an injury, but that cannot happen again. This should be a revenge game. They should be like, "Hey, we just won 3 in a row and we hate the fact that you guys just beat us." Like Two like last month, I was gonna say two or three weeks ago, but now it's been. I feel like it's been so long. It's been like four or five weeks. So step on their throats and beat them. Step on their throats. Okay, 
You can't take any team lightly right now, especially when you're hitting your stride. And that is what I'm nervous about, and that's why I'm not on cloud nine like everything else. One bad game against this Clippers team and then a shitty plane ride home could destroy everything that we've enjoyed the last week as Celtics fans, okay? And it... I think another reason why you need to win this game is because the Celtics are 18 and 16 on the road this year. Not really sexy in any way, shape, or form because last year they were 28 and 13. So to even try and get close to that, you got to win out. And I don't know if this team can do it on the road. I mean, you look at their remaining home games, you got the Clippers, then the 76ers, and then the Hornets, and then the Cavs, the Nets. And the Heat, the Pacers, and the Wizards. Heat will maybe be fighting for a playoff spot. The Pacers could be about seeding, and the Wizards game will just be absolutely pointless, and no one will play in that game. So you, you could win out. You could, but like you can't. You need to build some confidence on the road, especially if you're going to be the three or four seed, or maybe, hell, maybe even the five seed in the playoffs, because you're not going to be getting home court advantage in any way, shape, or form. You know what I'm saying? So go out there and beat this Clippers team. Now, we haven't done a banner banter investigation yet, and we're going to do one right now, and I'm going to explain why I kind of tied in the Lakers in this week's edition of the banner banter investigation. Hey, excuse me, sir, can you uh, come in and just do that cool little like voice thing that you do? Thanks. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special banner banter investigation, Celtics Unit Report. Okay, this week's Banner Banter Investigation is about the fact that it is still very uncomfortable that Rajon Rondo plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. It still makes me feel uncomfortable. He hated the Lakers for such a long period of time. He hated LeBron James for probably even a longer period of time. And to see him out there, to see him at that game winner in February, that just I'm still torn up about it, to be honest with you. It's just crazy. So I wanted to see how many players have actually played for the Celtics and the Lakers. Because that's pretty interesting, you know, kind of like how many people have played for the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know. First person that comes to mind for me is Johnny Damon or Jacoby Ellsbury, Kevin Euclid, things along those lines if you're a Red Sox or baseball fan. And that was actually all off the dome piece, and I'm actually pretty, oh, Roger Clemens is another one. Now I'm trying to go down like a deep, dark hole, and I don't want to do that. But I, I'm very impressed with those four that I got right there. But here's some, here, here's some guys. Shaquille O'Neal. I'm not going to be doing a banner banter investigation about Shaquille O'Neal. We know everything about him. Gary Payton, Brian Shaw, which we've done a banner banter investigation about before. Rick Fox. Ladies, calm down. I know Rick Fox is a looker for you, but calm down. But the other one is Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo only played 20 games for the Boston Celtics, but in those 20 games, he averaged 23-8. and eight. He was selected second overall by the Buffalo Braves in the 1972 NBA draft from some other team on Tobacco Road that's not named Duke. 6'9", 210, power forward. He won Rookie of the Year in 1973. Then he won the MVP in 1975. He's also a five-time NBA All-Star, a two-time NBA champion as a player, and I'll tell you how he's won more in a bit, and also one of the 50th, 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 one of the top 50 greatest Euro, Euro League players of all time. So we started playing for the Braves, then went to the Knicks, then went to the Celtics, Pistons, Nets, Lakers, 76ers, and then he went overseas for seven seasons and became one of the 50 best of all time in the EuroLeague. Those seasons that he had with like the Celtics, the Pistons, the Nets, the Knicks, 
they were all kind of plagued by injury, but a lot of those, like a lot of people believed and who knows what people would believe now, but a lot of people back then believed that he was faking it almost. I don't want to say faking it because that that's a harsh term, but really not that hurt. You know, if he twisted his ankle, he would think it's kind of like a sprained ankle because he wasn't playing for a title contender. So he kept getting traded from the Celtics, the Pistons, the Nets, the Knicks, and then he landed on the Lakers and he won two titles as a Laker. He was a huge part of that Showtime Lakers era. Very important player off the bench for them. He was great for them and that's how he won those two NBA championships as a player. But if you're wondering how he got on the Celtics, well, he was traded from the Knicks to the Celtics in February of 1989 from for Tom Barker and three first round picks. Tom Barker sounds like a uh, sounds like, you know, a good game show host name. Hi, I'm Tom Barker. But anyways, then, so he got traded in February. Seven months later, he gets traded in September of 1979 to the Detroit Pistons for two first-round picks, and this exchange was arranged as a compensation for the Celtics signing a free agent under the name of ML Carr, who won a couple championships as a player for the Boston Celtics. Kind of crazy. So after Bob McAdoo left the NBA, left the EuroLeague, he then became an assistant coach for the Miami Heat for 14 seasons, where he won three more NBA rings. So he has a total of five, five NBA rings. I just thought it was a little interesting thing that this dude only played 20 games for the Celtics, but averaged 23 and eight in that time, and also played for the Lakers too and won some titles. And the Heat, which I guess you could say was a Celtics rival for a while. Now, let's talk about the rest of the week. Kings-Hawks. Kings game is Thursday, the 14th at 7.30, and then Saturday, 12.30 against the Atlanta Hawks, the first of a double dip at TD Garden, for those of you that want to enjoy Boston at its finest. St. Patrick's Day weekend, always got a little double dip, little Celtics in the afternoon, little Bruins in the night. It's a crazy, crazy thing. But obviously, we talked about how the Celtics just beat the Kings last week, 111 to 10, um, yeah, 111 to 109. And I'm, I'm trying to say this the best way, but the Kings have a four-game road trip, but it's really not against like great competition. You know, but they play the Knicks, then they play the Wizards, and then they play the Celtics, and then the 76ers. This team is fighting for something still, so you can't take this team lightly. They're still three or four games out of the eighth seed in the West. And these young guys want to end the year strong, build some confidence going into next season. And the Kings, if they get another good draft pick, you know, maybe in the second round since we have their first-round draft pick, they, and Marvin Bagley comes back because Marvin Bagley most likely won't be in this game. And Marvin Bagley will be a year older. Willie Cauley-Stein will be confident. De'Aaron Fox will be more of an elite player than he already is. This team's going to be really good next year. They, they really and truly are. But the thing that cannot happen in this Kings game this time around, like it did out in Sacramento last week, was Willie Cauley-Stein can't go 8-9 from the field. Again, no post-presence. They really can't. And I understand Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. They'll get theirs like they did. And I was impressed with the way that Terry kept up with De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is so fast. And Terry did a reasonable job with him because Terry, defensively this year, has sucked. He has absolutely sucked. But... The most important part of this Kings game last week that really stuck out to me that now has to be the most important part on this upcoming Thursday's game is the Kings bench sucks. They shot a total of 3 of 16 from the field. Their four or five guys that played shot a total of 3 of 16 from the field. 
So when their bench is in, destroy him. Grab him. Destroy him. Kill him. Like, just grab him. Kill him. Make it happen. I want to win again. I... I'm now at the point where, like, I'm getting greedy. I want more wins because I'm either going to be, like, really high or really low. There's no place, like, in the middle. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I want to beat the Clippers. I want to beat the Kings. I want to beat the Hawks. And then IT returns. But we'll get into that next week. But this will be the third time the Celtics play the Hawks this upcoming Saturday. They have beat the Hawks by an average of like 15.5, 15.6 in the three meetings this year. The first game was on the road. Celtics won, and they moved their record to 10-9. and nine. Yeah, they were 9-9 nine and nine at that time. Jalen and Marcus Morris both started that game. I don't think Gordon Hayward played in that game. That's why Marcus Morris started. But as a team, seven blocks. Seven blocks as a team. The bench had five of those blocks. Time Lord only had one, so it wasn't all the Time Lord because the Time Lord was playing back then. So play well defensively, and you can blow them out. Then the second game was at home. Celtics moved to 18-10 and 10 when that happened, and they had two 40-point quarters. Mm-mm-mm. Let's hope that happens again. Three out of the five starters scored 20 or more points. Can you guess them? Any guesses? Any? Morris, Tatum, Horford. Lovely. Marcus Smart only took two shots in this game, but had four steals and seven assists. What a Marcus Smart stat line, huh? Absolutely crazy. And then the third game was on the road. Celtics outscored the Hawks 30-16 to to win that game. I don't know if you guys remember that game. It was just one of those games where, like, you know, this... Uh, why? Like, why were you losing to the Hawks? It was so frustrating. Shots weren't falling. The defensive rotations excuse me, the defensive rotation sucked. It just wasn't a good overall basketball game in any way, shape, or form by the Celtics. But they pulled out and won the game. And one of the, you know, when I mentioned the Celtics weren't hitting open shots, Horford, Morris, and Smart were combined 7 of 25 in that game. That's vomit city. But let's talk about some positivity with the Hawks because, you know, John Collins for the Hawks, I would love John Collins. Like Bradley Beal, John Collins, get those guys on this team. Oh, my God. I, I think John Collins is a freak of an athlete, really good player. I think he's averaging like 19 and, 19 and 8 or 19 and 9 this year. He's so physical. He runs the court well. He boxes out really well, too. He's just a great athlete, like a great NBA athlete. And Trey Young might not win Rookie of the Year, but his performances since the All Star break have been bananas. He has like a 49.16 assist game. I think that's what I remember. It was 49 points, maybe 15 assists in a four overtime game against the Bulls. And since the All-Star break, he's shooting 43% from three, 28 points per game, eight assists, but four turnovers. So Marcus Smart better guard this dude and be all over him for some turnovers that will change the complete dynamic or I don't want to say the dynamic, like the function of how the Hawks offense works. You get him out of that game. Mentally, the Hawks will be done. I fully believe that. So this could be another big week for the Celtics. They could have two undefeated weeks in a row. They really could. But I'm just nervous about the Clippers game. And if the Celtics already won over the Clippers game and are now wasting your time, I'm sorry. But there's one thing we haven't done this week. And there's also one person I really haven't talked about yet in this episode. Hit the music. And now it is time for the Celtics stud. And the Celtics dud. 
of the week. Alrighty, it is time for the stud and dud of the week, and the stud is Gordon motherfucking Hayward. Let's go. Did you guys see his game against the Warriors? Gordon Hayward and that black eye is back. The Celtics have not lost since Gordon Hayward got his black eye. Yep, take that home and chew it. It's delicious. Let's go. 30-point game against the Warriors. Game winner against the Kings with two seconds left. I don't care if he almost blew that game with that stupid, terrible, idiotic foul against Buddy Heald. And then he plays 30 minutes in the Lakers game, 15 points, 6 of 8 from the field, and a plus 14. Gordon Hayward, I said that he was back once before, and then he sucked, and I refuse to say it again because I am happy for Gordon, and I want him to continue to do well so I can shut up everyone. Everyone that ever hated on Gordon Hayward saying, we should get rid of him, we should trade him, he sucks. He just needed some time. Just a little patience. Patience is a virtue, my friends. And Gordon Hayward is finally realizing what he can and cannot do on the basketball court to affect this team's play. Now, I've seen some things that people have said, Gordon should start over Marcus Morris. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Keep him off the bench. Keep him coming off the bench. I'm fine with that, okay? Him and Jalen kind of have a good thing going, even though Jalen really doesn't pass it to him. But they have a good thing going. Get those two and Terry off the bench, throw them in with a couple starters, and maybe throw in Gordon or Jalen in the fourth quarter if Marcus Morris is sucking. You know, that's the beauty and the ugliness of this team, where if Marcus Morris sucks, you could bring in Gordon Hayward, but then if Marcus Morris is playing good, then you don't bring in Gordon Hayward. It's crazy, but Gordon Hayward is your stud. Even with a black eye, Gordon Hayward is your stud. Let's go. And the dud, the dud was going to be me because I I apologize for making all of you sit through episode 31. That was just like something that I should have just kept to myself, and I'm really sorry about that. But I think the dud is going to be those headbands that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown wore in the Lakers game and what Jason Tatum wore in the Sacramento Kings game. The person who can pull off the headband is Yabaselli. Yershon Yabaselli can pull off the headband. It fits his head. You know, like LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, those guys, like, headbands work for them. Headbands don't work with, like, the haircuts that Jalen and Jason Tatum have. You know, they they just don't work. They, they, they look weird. They make me feel uncomfortable. And I felt like Jalen was kind of like being a copycat. Like, hey, Jason played well. He led the team in scoring, had one of the most beautiful one-foot jumpers Timmy G has ever seen. I'm going to wear a headband, too. No, don't. Take them off, guys. We're, I know the season's been tough, but like, just take them off. There's let Dabaselli. I keep calling him Dabaselli because that's his nickname or the Dancing Bear. But let Yershon Yabaselli be the one that wears the headbands. Terry has worn it before, but it just looks weird now that he has his birthday tattooed on the back of his head. And if no one needs, or if someone wants to know when Terry Rozier's birthday is, please Google image Terry Rozier's head tattoo, and you'll be able to know. It's actually this Sunday. March 17th, and it's also the same birthday as Danny Ainge. So happy birthday, Danny. Have some Chipotle for me, okay? Because we know how much you love it. All right, guys, that is it for this week of 
of the, uh, oh wow, what is this podcast called? Yes, the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. You can listen. I know you're probably listening to it right now on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean. It is appreciated. Spread the news. It's playoff time. People want to know. It's almost playoff time. People want to know about the Boston Celtics. Tell them, hey, listen to the Banner Banter Podcast. It's somewhat reasonable. Not perfect, but reasonable. That's all that I'm saying. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great St. Patrick's Day. I love being an Irish kid from Boston. You know, got to love it. It's one of the best weekends of the year in the city. Enjoy it. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Hey, Gordon. Really proud of you, bud. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night. Thank you.